Genesis chapter 13. Did you ever hear why Moses' wife, Zipporah, whenever she threw a party, do you ever, did you ever hear why everybody always wanted to go to her parties? Because she was the hostess with the Moses. God, the hostess with the Moses. <laughs> anyway, yeah, <laughs> amen. There we go. Micah, we'll have to edit that out. It didn't work. I thought it was a good one. I laughed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did Adam and Eve do when they got kicked out of the garden? Raised Cain. Yeah. So, yeah, there's all sorts of dumb jokes like that. All right, Genesis 13. My next show is at 8 o'clock, so if you want to come to that one, it won't be any better at all, okay? You know, our American culture, by and large, has been based, in the past anyway, based on a Bible-centered moral construct. Our legal system was, and really in, in many ways, if they understand the laws that they are not following, our legal system was and really still is, basically it is based upon a, a mosaic law. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob uh, was the God of America at one time. And like it or not, our foundation of this country was not a foundation of Islam or the Koran. Amen. It was not. It was not the foundation of, our foundation was not Buddhism or Hinduism or it likes becoming popular today, atheism, which really is another religion, uh, right? My, my brain, I was thinking about this. Somebody made some statement about, uh, uh, about um, what's, what's that word, the separation of church and state. And, uh, you know, they're all upset about this new Speaker of the House, this Johnson fellow, <clears throat> and all of his, you know, his religious uh, moorings and this atheist was upset about that and I thought well what do you want your religion no what does he want he wants no God which is his religion right so he doesn't want he, he's still all for a religion but just not uh, the religion of the Bible the God of the Bible and that's becoming more and more more popular uh, here in our nation but our nation's foundation of laws was taken by and large from the word of God it really was. It started out that way. This is why people called uh, the United States a Christian uh, nation. The Bible was in our schools. Prayer was in our schools. Oaths were taken on the Bible. Even, even those who, uh, who had firm beliefs based on the Bible that they weren't to swear, they would say, not, uh, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, I swear, they put their hand on the Bible, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. They could say, I affirm. And they did not have to say, I swear, because they said, well, we're not supposed to swear. What is that? That's biblically based, and our courts even recognize that, right? And you know, th this was a part of our nation at one time, right? Uh, only Christians at one time were allowed to run for public office. Can you imagine that today? Could you imagine hanging that out there on Facebook? Well, I believe only Christians should be in, oh, you know, separation of church and state, right? Uh, somebody said that a while back, and I said, it'd do you well to go read the letter of the Danbury Baptist to Jefferson where that statement is found. And it had nothing to do with they didn't want religion and government. It had all to do with they didn't want the government in religion. 
And to this atheist, I said, you can thank them that you are not paying, the, the Danbury Baptists, that you are not paying a state tax, a state church tax to all of the churches, wherever the church, state church is in your, in your area. And you can thank them for that. But, but here's the, the, the main thing I'm getting at. The, the foundation of America, whether we like it or not, whether it was perfect or not, which it wasn't, but it was still the, a foundation of the God of the Bible. And our education system in large was a Christian education. When you look at the New England uh, primary and you see all of the, it was all around scripture. When you read uh, Webster's 1828 dictionary, the examples are Bible examples. And uh, in his, uh, a book on history written by Von Schatzer called The History of American Education, he said this, I quote, of the first 126 colleges founded in America, all but three were formed on Christian principles. He goes on to say this, up until 1900, it was very rare to find a university president who was not an ordained clergyman. The very first president of Harvard University was Henry Dunster. Henry Dunster became a Baptist, and he got kicked out of Harvard because of it. But he watched the beating of Obadiah Holmes, who was a Baptist, and uh, Obadiah Holmes, they got broken into. They came up into Massachusetts. One of their members was, was uh, living in Massachusetts. He was an elderly, elderly man. And they went up into Massachusetts to have a service with him and to, to have the Lord's Supper there. And while they were in their service, the, these uh, Puritan Congregationalists broke in. The military broke in and stopped them, and they dragged them out. There was either a fine to be paid or a beating. Two of the men, one paid the fine, one had his pay, fine paid, and uh, Obadiah Holmes refused, and uh, refused to have his paid and refused to pay, and they beat him there. They beat him, and he got up and said, you have whipped me as it were with roses, <laughs> and, uh, but he was in trouble. He, he was a mess. They, they really laid on to him. Henry Dunster went home from that place and began to study Baptist. Why would this guy do this? And after he studied, isn't it a novel idea? He studied the Bible, and he came away and said he's right, and they kicked him out. But listen, I, but generally, in a general sense, right? The foundation of our nation, the foundation of our nation, was a Judeo-Christian foundation. Whether it was perfect or not, it wasn't, but that's what it was. You know the French historian uh, de Tocqueville. He said this, America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. It's attributed to him anyway. And when God, listen, when God was on the throne in the hearts of Americans, America was great. It absolutely was. So we asked the question, and as we're looking around where we are today, we asked the question, what happened? Where did it go wrong? Where did it start? Where did it begin? Judge uh, Robert Bork was nominated by President Reagan back in 1987. He was nominated to the Supreme Court. And as, as Bork went before the Senate confirmation hearings, it was a Democrat, many of us remember this, it was a Democrat-controlled Senate, and I'm telling you, they skewered him on his conservative ideology. And the man, as you know, never made it to the Supreme Court. And, and it was such a bad uh, event in our nation, that ever after that place, when a man, a conservative, went to the court and was voted out, they said he was Borked. He was Robert Bork. They got rid of him. Well, Judge Bork went on later to write a book back in 1996 called Slouching Toward Gomorrah. 
And in this book, right, in this book, Judge Robert Bork deals with the rise of radical liberalism in the 1960s and, and how it set America on a course to moral chaos. As some of you are very familiar with, uh, I'm going to go ahead and happily say I wasn't quite alive in the 60s, right? Close, not, not quite. And, uh, but as some in here will remember, it was the 60s that brought us the Beatles. It was the 60s that brought free love. It was the 60s that brought Woodstock. It was the 60s that brought the term sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And what began in the 60s, as, as, as Bork points out in his book, some could see as the beginning of an anti-God subculture. Now, I hope I'm not loading too much on you. We're going to get to a point here. Some, some say there was, an, there was an endeavor to redefine and reconstruct morals. Friend, we're there. What's good is evil, and what is evil is good, right? We are there. This is why prayer was taken out of school. This is why the Bible was taken out of school. This is why we see abortion on demand. This is why just recently we saw legalized sodomite marriage and legalizing of drugs. And I'm going to say it here. It, listen, we have gone so far down the road. It, it, it's on tape. I'll say it. If I'm, if I'm wrong and something changes, I'll be very happy about that. But I'm going to tell you tonight, it hasn't ended we have not come to the end of where this debauchery is going. They will have to legalize polygamy. They will have to legalize, they're going to have to legalize pedophilia. They're going to have to legalize, uh, they're going to have to legalize heroin and cocaine and all of these other drugs. They're going to have to do it. Why? Because the door's been open, the direction has been set. We are so far down the road. Who can, I mean, this, this is what happens with direction. It ends somewhere, and in the, it, as we see from the Word of God, God, where it ends is, it ends in death. It ends in the death of a people. It ends in the death of a church. It ends in the death of a nation. And that's where we are. Yeah. See, at some point, at some point, those who once looked to God began to look in a different direction. Those who once pursued God began to pursue other things. And at a crossroad in our own nation, which could also be if we uh, a, a crossroad in our own lives, it comes at crossroads in our own churches. And when a decision had to be made, somewhere along the line, you could look in your life, I could look in my life, you could look at, at, at a church life, you could look at a nation's life, somewhere where a decision had to be made. And instead of looking to God, little by little, people turned a different direction. They turned a different direction. And that's what I want to look at tonight in our passage of Genesis 13, the sin of direction. And I want us to be reminded tonight, I don't, I don't know of anybody in this room that is on, this, on, on the precipice of, of falling off. I don't know anybody in here who is so far down a path of, of, of sin that uh, it's, they almost can't turn back. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking at that. I'm mainly looking to encourage us tonight and to help us tonight and to remind us tonight that, listen, we are living in a nation we're living in. We're watching lives of our family members and of our children, and we're watching the dismantling of some of these things because, watch, direction was changed. And if we're not careful and we don't stay going a right direction 
we will end up just the same place as everybody else, as everybody else that fell away from God and fell into sin. And as, was, as we see in Genesis chapter 13, Abraham had just gotten back from a wrong direction. Remember what happened. God called him out of his land. He went out. He came to a place of Bethel. He made an altar there between Bethel and Hai. And then a famine showed up. And what did he do? Well, he went down south, right, into, into Egypt uh, to try to escape the famine that was going on where God had told him to go. And while he was there, you know what happened. Sarah, she was a looker, right? And he said, this isn't going to be good. And so he said, you tell him you're my sister. Half truth, Right. And so what happened? We know what happened. The Pharaoh came along and said, wow, she's a looker. I want her. And so he brings Sarah in, right? And, uh, and we uh, realize that, uh, that uh, uh, he was given, uh, uh, that uh, uh, Pharaoh took Sarah and the great plagues come into the household of Pharaoh. And he called, uh, called Abram in and he explained everything to her. And he's like, why'd you do this? Get out. And so Abram takes Sarah, he takes Lot, who was with him, his nephew, and they go back up north out of Egypt, and they went back into, into the land of Canaan where God wanted them to go, and they came back to the place of Bethel where the altar he had built there uh, for God. And so he has just come back from this place, right? He, he was headed away from Canaan direction, and he turned around and he came back toward Bethel where he was. What did he do? He repented, right? And he turned around and then he, because of his repentance, it brought a turning and he went the other direction. He went back to where he had called upon the name of the Lord. He went back to where he was set up an altar, right? And put a stake in the ground and said, I'm serving, I'm following God. Look at Genesis chapter 13, look at verse three. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. So what happened? He started all over again. Praise the Lord for that. Can I tell you tonight, if you've gone down a path too far, uh, listen, you can turn around and come back tonight. It starts in a heart. It starts in repentance. What is that? It starts with the changing of the mind and agreeing with God and saying, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm on a trail, I'm on a trajectory, I'm on a path, I'm on a way that has taken me away from you. And tonight you can turn around and you can go back to your Bethel. I thank the Lord for that. Amen. Listen, you are never too far away as a child of God than to come back. He went in the wrong direction, but he turned around and he went again in the right direction. Well, we see here, it goes on to explain here in our text that Abraham was a very rich man. We can see it here in verse 5. It says, uh, And Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. So also, Lot also, Abram was rich, Lot was rich as well. They had a lot of stuff. And all of the things that they had required more land. Now, today we do it a little differently, don't we? We just buy a storage unit. <laughs> and we never see the stuff again. The only thing you see is the payment every month. And you go, really ought to get that out of there. Really ought to get that out of there. And you know what these guys are doing that have these storage units? They're building more and more and more. <laughs> Because people have just a lot of stuff, right? And uh, the, the Abram and Lot, man, they had a lot of stuff. They had a lot, that, which their stuff required more land. 
It required more places for the animals to go. There wasn't enough land here for the, for the land to handle all of the animals that both Lot and Abram had. And what was happening was now the servants of Lot were fighting with the servants of Abram. And uh, Abram decided that, hey, let's go ahead and split up. Why? He said, because we're brethren. There's no need to fight. We're brethren. Can I remember, remind us tonight we're brethren? There's no need to fight. There's no need to be upset. I don't know if anything going on, it's wonderful. But just, just for a reminder to stick back in your head again if something comes up. There's no need for strife. Look at verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. And so Abram didn't want the strife. God had given Abram all the land of Canaan. There's plenty of land to choose from. And look what he does in verse 9. He lets Lot take the first choice. Look at this. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. So what does Lot do? Well, he chooses, he chooses some good land. I think this makes total sense. I, can, can I say, I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think there's, there's anything here yet there's anything here yet that is really uh, negative in what Lot did. I could be wrong, but, but watch, this, watch this logically. He has a lot of animals. What does the Bible say? He looked out over the well-watered plains of Jordan. That makes a lot of sense. You got a lot of tall grass you're walking through, and you got a lot of cattle. That makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, that looks pretty good. His uncle said, pick out whatever you want. Whatever you want, whatever you want to take, I'll just go the opposite way. You choose whatever you want. And that's exactly, exactly what he did. Verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. And so it was a great place. It was a well watered place. And so Lot chooses to peel off from Abram. Abram says, we need to do this. He did, and he chose this land. Canaan is the promised land, right? Canaan is where Abram built his altars and where he is pursuing God. Wait, let, let's not forget this either. Lot had a relationship with God as well. He did. Second uh, Peter said he was righteous. He had a righteous soul. Listen to Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, Lot, it says, And delivered just Lot, watch this, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Lot was just, but he had a wicked, a filthy, what, lifestyle. But he was just. And it goes on, for that righteous man, Lot, that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. What am I saying tonight? Lot was saved. Lot, Lot had a relationship at one point with God as well, just like Abram. So Lot journeyed uh, east from Bethel and left Canaan, and Abram stayed in Canaan. Yeah. Look at verse 12. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the plain, cities of the plains and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Remember this. What does it say about Lot? One of the things that begins to give us a clue of something that was wrong. What? He saw the well-watered plains. 
we see a distinction between him and Abram. Abram says, you choose. Essentially, wherever God tells me to go, I'm fine. Lot says, I'm, I'm living by sight. Abraham says, I'm living by faith. Abraham, uh, Lot says, hey, I'm living by what, what looks good to help me out, to help my animals and to help my life out and to help me to be more prosperous. I'm looking out there. I'm like, that looks great. And Abraham says, I'm just going to, I'm going to live by faith. God told me to stay here. It may not make any sense, but I'm going to, I'm going to stay here. Yeah. He saw, he saw, he left the place where God was at Bethel. Watch this. He left the influence of Abram. He left the influence of Abram. Hey, be careful about trying to get away from godly influence. It's an, watch, it's an indication that you're heading down a wrong path. Yeah. This is what Lot did. Notice what he does next. He sets up a tent. Well, that's normal. You've got to have a house. So he sets up house. He builds his house. He sets up his tent. And you've seen this. I know you have. You may have it underlined in your Bible. If you don't have it underlined in your Bible, do so tonight if you have a pen. Look at this. And pitched his tent where? Towards Sodom. Yeah. He wasn't there yet. He wasn't in Sodom. At, you know, when, when we get to, uh, when you get over to Second Peter and the description of Lot, yeah, we see that it really affected him badly. But at this point in his life, he hadn't got there yet. But his direction, his eyes, his heart, his direction was already there. Yeah. You see what it says about Sodom in verse 13? But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. You know what these Sodomites are saying today? Oh, Sodom and Gomorrah's problem was pride. The Bible says it was pride. That was the pride. It was just pride. Yeah, read the next few verses. <laughs> it was their pride that led them into their wickedness and their filthiness and their wicked life. Yeah. So Lot set the direction of his home toward wickedness. Listen, please. Lot set the direction of his home toward wickedness. He set the direction of his home towards sin. It was a direction. It was a direction. You know what happens with directions. If you stay on the trajectory long enough, you will end up at the destination. I know that's not real complicated. Right? If you stay on the road to our house, you'll end up at our house. Some say, oh, no, you won't, because I've tried and it didn't work. Okay, maybe, that, maybe we're not a good example. We're a little crooked roads out there. But listen, if you stay on your path long enough, you're going to get where it's leading. Look what happened to Lot. He ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at chapter 14. What happened? Well, Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah now. In chapter 14, what happened? War comes up. And some kings are coming up uh, against the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding kingdoms. And the, and the war is going on and Sodom and Gomorrah is losing. So these kings that rose up against Sodom and Gomorrah come into Sodom and they begin to take everything out of there. Look what it says in verse 11. And they took all of the, chapter 14, verse 11. And they took all of the goods of, the, of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their vittles, 
or victuals, however you want to say that, and went their way. Look at this. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who, what? Dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Hold on a minute. The tent that at one time was just pointing towards Sodom and Gomorrah is now in Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot and his family and his goods and everything. Watch. He brought everything in. He left no attachment back to Abram and back to Canaan. He was all in, man. He was all in. Yeah. He chose to leave. Yeah. Lot looked. He looked. He's living by sight. He left. He left where God was. He left where God was. I'm telling you, I see it all the time. People leave churches. I'm telling you, they're not leaving a church. By and large, I would say 80% of them that leave a a good Bible-believing church, they never find a better one. They find a worse one. They go down, not up. We'd be happy if they went up better. There's people that left here have gone to a church south of here. I'm like, praise the Lord. Thank you. It's a great church. I'm happy. Right? It's a wonderful thing. But there's some that leave, and man, they, they don't, they're not doing anything. Lot looked. He began living by sight. He left where God was, and he lived where God wasn't living. Where God wasn't. Yeah. We know the end of this. We know where Lot ends up. We know where his family ends up. We know what happens with his daughters. We know how we have Moab and the Moabites and the Ammonites and the incest. We know where it ends. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And the choices that Lot made here forever changed his lineage. Absolutely. So how did righteous Lot end up in Sodom and Gomorrah? I've already told you. Direction. Direction. Say it with me all at once. How did, how, how did, how did righteous Lot, righteous Lot, end up in Sodom and Gomorrah? Let's all say it together. Direction. Direction. Like the path, no, this was the path he chose to walk. And he stayed on it until it destroyed him and his whole family. And actually, if you read further in his life, look how entrenched he got into Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says he sat at the gate. What is that? It's where all the legal transactions took place. He was a city, he was a city elder. He was a city father. He was an alderman. He was a mayor. He was whatever he was. He was so entrenched. He was so entrenched the angels had to drag them out. Yeah. You know some, yeah, listen, you know some people. They were on, listen, they loved the Lord. And they, they were born again. They loved the Lord and they had a great testimony. But I'm telling you, something happened. A direction changed. And you know them today. They are so far away from God. And it would take an angel to drag them out of the world to get them back into, into, a, into a right relationship with God. You know them. They're out there. You know them. And it all started with direction. Yeah. Can I tell us this tonight? If you really think about it, 
all of our failures, all of our sin, really it just begins with the wrong direction. Sin is just the byproduct of the wrong direction. You want proof of that? <laughs> Proverbs 4, listen to what it says. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass by it, turn from it and pass away. Did you notice in that verse there, it speaks nothing of specific sins. It only speaks of paths and direction. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. It just says, just avoid it. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Don't even get close to it. Don't even go near it. Turn away from it and pass away. What is this verse talking about? Direction. Direction. Stay away. <clears throat> We're reminded tonight, if, if, we, if we have started a trajectory in some way away from God, if you continue on that tonight, and you continue on it tomorrow, and you continue on it the next day, listen, you are going to get exactly, you're going to get exactly where it's leading, which is death. Yeah. Yeah. And sin, what? When it is conceived, bringeth forth death. Yeah. So what direction is your life heading tonight? What direction is your life pointing tonight? Do you realize the decision, the decision that that, that Lot made? <clears throat> it, it was a decision that had to do with things that were necessary. He had, he had cattle, he had sheep, he had whatever. He needed to feed them. He needed to grow. All of these things were necessary things, right? But something happened in there. He got his eyes on Sodom and Gomorrah. Maybe he got his eyes on the activity. Maybe he got his eyes on all the excitement over there. Something was pulling him. And he wasn't there, but boy, he was watching it. Yeah. What's the direction? These are things we ought to ask ourselves. What's the direction of our entertainment choices? What is the direction of our friend choices? What is the direction of our pursuit of God? What is the direction of our time with the Lord? Of our time in the Bible? Of our time in prayer? What is the direction of that? What is the direction of our church attendance? Is the, is the trajectory more or less? Is the trajectory in prayer more or less? Is the trajectory in Bible reading more or less? I'm talking about direction. 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 What, 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 where is our heart pointed tonight? And this was the problem with Lot, wasn't it? His heart was pointed away from God. Righteous Lot. Away from God. Direction determines destination. Yeah. And this, this, you know, people say, oh, there's gray areas. There's no gray areas in the Word of God. There are none. But sometimes what we call gray areas is because of our own uh, uh, lack of understanding. But I tell you what, if you have some gray areas in your life, this is a good way to, to, to combat some of the, what you think are gray areas of how we ought to live as a believer in Christ, how we ought to live as a child of God, right? This is a great way to do it. What is, just ask yourself this, what's the direction? Lord, what is the direction of this? This is in front of me. Where will this lead? You not think that God would probably show you where it's going to lead? 
Sometimes, listen, sometimes the question doesn't even need to be, is this sin or is it not sin? Is this thing wrong or is it not wrong? Hey, feeding your cattle to keep a living because God says to work is not sin, but the direction that his heart was going because of his decision. Yeah, that's, that's what ended in this. That's what brought about this end. What direction has this taken me? There's only two directions in life tonight, right? We are either going toward God or away from God. We are either going forward or we are backsliding. There's only two. And so at times we need to ask ourselves this question. Will this decision bring me towards God or away from God? Will this entertainment bring me towards God or away from God? Will this financial decision keep me pursuing God or will it take me away from God? Will this relationship help me as I pursue God or will it take me away from God? Will this job help me <clears throat> bring me closer to God or will it take me farther away from God? See, Lot should have done what Abram did. He should have gone back to Bethel. But his heart was so entrenched. Watched too long. Yeah. And he ended up right where he was looking. Did you hear that? He ended up right where he was looking. Yeah. What direction are you headed tonight? What direction are we, as, as individuals, what direction are we heading as a church? What, in, what, what direction are we, are we heading? I mean, obviously, if, you know, individuals, a church is a body of individuals. Right? The direction of individuals are, is going to determine the direction of this church. People say, I want a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. Well, you've got to have spirit-filled, spirit-led people. <laughs> That's right? What is the direction that we're heading? What is the direction you're headed tonight? Our Father, thank you tonight for a great reminder we can get caught up in all the minutia of details. Is this wrong? Is that wrong? Is this one? What about this? What about that? But, Father, we see here that it's a wonderful thing to step back and just ask you, what is the direction of this choice? Father, there may be uh, not a person in here tonight that is on a bad trajectory. Maybe everybody in here is, is just getting closer and closer to you, and what a wonderful joy that is. And maybe tonight, this message tonight would just help us to remember just to stay on track and to be alert and be aware. Remember our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh about, uh, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And Lord, it's, you would love to get us off a good path. Would you help us tonight to stay strong? <clears throat> would you help us tonight to stay on a right path? But it could be there's somebody here tonight that is on a wrong path. They're getting away from you, not closer. They're getting closer to the world and farther away from you. Lord, would you just arrest their attention tonight by your Holy Spirit. And God, that tonight, tonight, they would turn around and go back to the last time that they know where you had spoke so directly in their life and you were close and that fellowship was there. Would they turn around and get back there tonight, Lord, would you help them? Whether they're here in this room, whether they'll be watching online, whoever it is and however it is, Lord, that you would deliver us from a bad direction. Well, thank you tonight in Jesus' name.
Amen. Why don't we stand tonight? However the Lord has spoken to you, the instrument's going to play. Altars are open. How's, the, how's your direction tonight? Is there anything, hey, is there anything that the Spirit of God has put His finger on that He says, you know, that's not a really good direction? Right? You might look at your life and you can see a place where you were closer to God, where the fellowship was sweeter, where the obedience was, was more immediate. And you can look in your life and you say, I'm heading down a bad road. Yeah. Would you turn around tonight? Whatever it is. Acknowledge it before God. If He brings it to your mind, the Holy Spirit of God reveals it to you tonight. Just acknowledge it tonight. Repent. And turn around. I'm telling you, the alternative is not good. It is not good. All right, let's remember the Thanksgiving sign-up sheet in the back. Don't forget that on the way out. And uh, we have a lot to be thankful for this year, amen? Every year, every day, we've got a lot to be thankful for, right? And uh, I was telling Sherry, I was just looking out the little glass door, the window in the door back here, and I just, it caught me. I've been gone last week, and I, they paved everything, you know, the first pavement on the road out here, and I'm looking at this broad, this huge road out here, and I just started laughing to myself. I'm like, how on earth? Did we get this location? <laughs> I mean, this. I mean, it's building up. I mean, everything around us. We're going to be watched. We're going very soon. I'm telling you, we are going to be almost hidden here. But the way this is building up, I think we will be. And it's 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 an amazing thing that God has given us this spot. And I thank the Lord for it. I want you to pray about something. <clears throat> I'd like them to give us this back little corner here somehow, some way, and just finish this whole little thing off because uh, we're going to be landlocked soon. And. Uh, uh, you know what? What's 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 a piece of land to God? That's nothing, right? He owns it all anyway. And uh, Amen. So pray about that, would you? And uh, you're like, what on earth? We barely got, not even done with this. I know, but you know, land sells pretty quick sometimes. So, and that hasn't sold. So this one, our, we got a new neighbor down here coming in. Uh, that this uh, next lot next to us has been sold, and we're going to get a dog kennel thing. So that'll be exciting. We can preach to dogs. So, yeah, <laughs> they're much more responsive. At least my dog is. He got saved last week. Did I tell you that? Hans, Hans got saved. It's wonderful. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, he didn't. He's a reprobate still. But anyway, all right. We better be closed in prayer. It's going downhill. Bad direction right now. Better get off. Turn around. So, let's be closed in a word of prayer. Uh, be careful going home, and uh, pray for one another. Brother Davidson, would you close us in prayer tonight?